It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. It is a Friday. However, the weather's a little bit gray for us, about as popular as a USDA report right now. So, uh, you know, we'll just make through. It is a Friday, though, so that's uh, that certainly is good news. Brandon Bennett is here along with Dave Schroeder. And Susan Littlefield is with us from Grand Island. And uh, good morning to you, Susan. Good morning. I am hanging out in the office of the Shaley Peters today. It's pretty cool. Well, I've heard it's pretty swanky in there. It is. Her interior decorating is above and beyond. And, you know, you just don't see a a lot of offices that can get away with shag carpeting like that, and that's, uh, that's pretty sweet. You know, the shag carpeting and uh-huh. the calico cat in the corner, it's oh. perfect. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what do you got going on for us today, Susan? Well, you're not going to want to miss 1219 yeah, and Al Dutcher. Um, sure. Yeah, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he talks about how we could get caught with our pants down in this weather system. And those are exact words from Al Dutcher. Really? That's, yeah. That sounds uh, that sounds not good. No, it does not. Anyway. Exactly. Yeah, so he'll okay. give you more of an update as to what we're supposed to see with this weather system as it moves through. I did hear, as Shaley was talking to him, he say that winter is officially here. So Uh-oh. ready or not, here it comes. Then we'll step in at 1245 Chabelle will talk about birds on the brink. There's an Audubon study that's been done, so she'll give us more details. And then coming up at 117, we continue our Women in Agricultural series and a great interview that Shaley does with a gal from the McCook area as she talks about her involvement in 4-H and kids. And her husband has a very unique way of describing his wife. So we'll get more on that at 117. Okay, very good. I'm guessing Ben has a pretty unique way of describing Shaley too, but that's a... Uh, that whole different be, story. Yeah. If Ben, I know you're listening, it should be goddess. Yes, I think um, that's, that's what it yeah, was. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. All thank right. you. Thank, thank you so much. All right. Thank Very you. good. We turn it over to Brandon Bennett. It is a busy, busy time of this uh, this time of year. Lots of things going on. Prep sports starting up. It's pretty fun right now. It really is. And last night, for the first time ever, University of Nebraska Kearney men's and women's basketball teams went to Claremore, Oklahoma, came away with two big wins. The Lopers got a big win. They now go to 14-2 and on the season on the women's side. And that shares a special connection with the Husker women's basketball program. We'll be talking about that. We'll also be hearing from UNK head men's coach Kevin Lofton. They upset one of the top-ranked teams in the conference that prior to that only had three losses on the year. And here's your trivia question for you. When does 34,500 equal less than half? We'll talk about that at the 1225 Sports. All right, very good. Nebraska women's big win last night. Started out 11 to nothing on their win. That's uh, that's awesome. They continue to roll, too. We turn it over to the great Dave Schroeder. We, the stocks flirted with 29,000 for a second, but they yes. uh, fell back off. They were, they were inching upward uh, slowly here just mm-hmm. a short yeah. time ago, but now they're off a little bit. Dow down a, a quarter of a percent. Uh, S&P down 0.08%. But uh, the stocks are losing some of the momentum from yesterday's record-setting rally. The government reported that U.S. employers added 145,000 jobs in December, but it was short of economists' forecasts. And we'll have that and more stories coming up in our business report. Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 71 right now. NASDAQ is down 6, and the Standard & Poor is down 2.5. All right, thank you very much. That's all coming up on Mid. 
All right, it's time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. And, uh, well, uh, I hope you enjoyed this morning. Uh, temperatures going in the wrong direction right now, Paul. Definitely. We have temperatures in the teens in much of northwest and north-central Nebraska. That colder air continuing to push further and further to the southeast. And uh, temperatures, yeah, in the teens there, low and mid-20s in much of the Nebraska along I-80 and points to the south into eastern Nebraska and also temperatures in the upper 20s over northern Kansas to the low 30s over northern Colorado, northeast Colorado. But yeah, that cold air gradually pushing its way to the south and east. We already have some wind chills below zero in the Nebraska Sandhills down to two below on the wind chill in Thedford and also one below on the wind chill reading in the Alliance area. And that's thanks to some north winds uh, starting to pick up a probably gusting on into the low and mid-20s right now. The best news, I guess, out of all of this, even though we're going to get some really cold stuff, to the east is where the moisture is coming up, and that they're going to get some snow. Exactly, yeah. Southeast Nebraska on into eastern Kansas, portions of central Kansas and also southwest Kansas. Um, oddly enough, we do have a severe mm. thunderstorm warning in south south central Kansas towards the, looks like the Cowley County and northeastern Sumner County, Kansas area, so right around Winfield and Oxford, Kansas, and it, south, which is southeast of Wichita, for right. reference there. Severe so thunderstorm right now. And if you you don't have to go very far south. I think there were some tornado warnings in Oklahoma a yeah, little bit. Down, too, so. Yeah, because there are some uh, severe weather advisories down there yeah. as we look at our map of tornado watch into eastern Oklahoma and uh, northwestern Arkansas right now. <laughs> Weird. But a very, very, very strong storm moving through the region. Uh, Two and a half inches of snow was reported with this system moving through in the Ogallala area, so you may see some localized amounts of upwards of around two inches. Most of us expected in central areas of Nebraska on into northwest Kansas expected to see maybe about one inch of snow or less. A broken band of light snow moving through the region right now. That stretches from Norfolk down to Albion on into the Tri-Cities area towards Kearney and back to Lexington. A little more organized snow over southwest Nebraska, west of McCook, on into northeastern Colorado towards the, oh, we'll call it Flagler and Burlington area. That is all moving gradually off towards east, but we're also watching moisture come up over central and eastern areas of Kansas. The bulk of that moisture is along and southeast of a line from Nebraska City to February and Beatrice to Plainville, Kansas, and that moisture all lifting to the northeast in the way of some rain and some snow across that area, mainly snow as it is cold enough in many locations for snow to be falling. And once again, those wind chills expected to start dropping for today. If you could hand me that advisory map there, Scott. Snow likely for today. Temperatures about 10 degrees colder than normal. Colder air pushing in from low pressure over the southern plains on the backside of that system. That's dropping our temperatures for the rest of the day. A rundown of the advisories does include that winter weather advisory. Southeast Nebraska, much of central, southwest, and eastern Kansas. In Nebraska, that advisory through midnight tonight and includes areas along and southeast of a line from Omaha to Lincoln and Superior. Kansas, the advisory in effect through noon tomorrow. For areas along and southeast of a line from Smith Center to Hayes and Syracuse, expect snow accumulations of 2 to 4 inches and north winds gusting as high as 40. Winter storm warning is in effect for extreme southeast Nebraska through midnight tonight, northeast Kansas through 6 tomorrow evening, where snowfall totals of 3 to 6 inches and wind gusts up to 40 are possible. We do have that latest snowfall forecast map and advisory map on our KRVM Facebook page. But otherwise, uh, we... 
Expect these north winds to be a big story as the day goes on. They will increase and gust up to 40, make it feel like it's in the single digits this afternoon. Just light accumulations of an inch or less in many locations, but the bulk of the moisture, southeast Nebraska, into central and east Kansas and portions of southwest Kansas. Now, wind chills tonight below zero are likely, as those north winds will still gust into around the 30-mile-an-hour mark. Snow will remain likely through midnight in eastern Nebraska through tomorrow in eastern Kansas. The cool-down, though, not going to last long. Warmer air and southerly winds will return temperatures to more seasonal levels in western areas for tomorrow and region-wide for Sunday and Monday. Another punch of colder air and slight chances for snow arrive for Tuesday through Wednesday. That's going to bring us probably our coldest air A couple of days of bitterly cold temperatures with highs in the teens and 20s. Another system with small snow chances set to impact the area next weekend with slightly cooler than normal temperatures. Doesn't look like that cold air will be as cold as the midweek air. For the long-term forecast, colder than normal temperatures are likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the north-central and western U.S. Wednesday through January 23rd. Looks like the worst of the colder than normal air over the northwest and north central U.S. Something to watch. There are signs of a building ridge over the southwest U.S. towards the 23rd that could help to warm our temperatures back up. Near normal to slightly above normal precipitation is forecast Wednesday through the 23rd for Nebraska and Kansas. Key weather factors in the markets include southern Brazil rain chances and heavy rain leading to possible flood concerns in the U.S., an intensifying storm over the southern plains will cross the mid-Mississippi Valley tomorrow, reach New England by Sunday. Snow will fall northwest of the storm track. Significant snow or ice will be heaviest from southeast Iowa through south and east Wisconsin to west and north Michigan. From the mid-south into the lower Great Lakes, torrential rain could trigger widespread flooding. Fields already wet across much of the eastern Corn Belt. Topsoil moisture rated 56% surplus in Michigan and 47% surplus in Ohio and more on the way. Possibly severe flooding in some locations could impact Midwest winter wheat. With the Southern Plains, there's an increased risk for snow or freezing rain in the feedlots of southwest Kansas and the Texas Panhandle today, along with increasing winds. In southern Brazil, it appears likely within the next 5 to 10 days, Rio Grande do Sul will receive much-needed moderate or heavy rain and more seasonal temperatures. All right. So it's kind of like we're climbing Everest, except it's just winter. So we're at winter base camp right now. <laughs> yep. We're trying to get acclimatized, and then it's going to it's gonna like uh, warm up for a little bit, and then it's going to get cold again, and then, yeah. So exactly. we just get used to it. And, and it's just it's not going to do, yeah, we're going to have these cold flashes in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunday and Monday probably our best over the next seven days, okay. so enjoy those. Uh, but those are only going to be seasonal temperatures, not the above-normal stuff that we've been enjoying. Yeah, okay. All right, well, and, and if you're traveling today, be careful because there is going to be places that probably won't. And, you know, we're talking about uh, what it looks like the Goodland-Colby area, dense fog, overland dense fog down along I-70 there, too. Exactly, so. yeah, and that, that snow and rain as you mm-hmm. head towards the southeast okay all right very good thank you paul i appreciate it where do you go to check in on your weather weather tab krvn.com get ready nebraska co-wetzel is coming to red dirt on the river saturday february 15th at viero center Carney. co-wetzel along with cody canada and the department and cody west Tickets are on sale now at CarneyEvents.net and the box office. Viero Center Carney and 93.1 The River present Coetzel at Red Dirt on the River. 
It's time again this week that we get to visit with our Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist, Al Dutcher. And Al, we are headed into the weekend with a cool down that we certainly felt come across much of the region. Will we have cooler temps headed into this weekend and next week? Well, Shaylee, last week we talked about this system that was expected to generate a fairly sizable amount of precipitation. And the models did a fairly decent job in at least picking this up. The model's been all over the place this week, but they're finally coming to a consensus that we will see some accumulating snowfall, particularly in the southeastern corner of the state. You look at radar right now, and there's a lot of moisture that's showing returns aloft, but it hasn't reached the surface with the main core area of uh, precipitation making the surface in the west central portions of Nebraska. That trough, as it moves uh, the northern portion of it, it moves across the northern plains, will merge with the southern stream storm that is basically entering in extreme southwestern Texas right now and lifting the moisture toward the north. So the biggest concern as we go through this next 24 hours is going to be will the energy transfer completely into the southern stream and basically the northern stream dries out. And if that's the case, then we may see most of this precipitation itself shift a little bit more toward the southeast. If not, then we are likely to see some accumulating snowfall, and it's going to be a tricky forecast at best because it's probably going to be the major major portion of the moderate snowfall that is currently forecast. It will occur over just a several-hour period with light snow on both sides of that. Best opportunity for accumulating snowfall still is in the southeast, but what's more concerning to me is, is that there are several more waves expected to basically round out this trough that's going to ca- uh, carve out across the center part of the country. And so we are dealing with an additional wave coming in into the Saturday night Sunday morning time frame and another one on Monday and another one on Wednesday and just basically in the last 24 hours those three storms have increased in terms of the potential moisture with them so I think we need to be really careful in regards to watching the forecast this is the time of the year when we can really get caught with our pants down so to speak in terms of these models you get a lot of precipitation that breaks out that's really not supported by the model and because we're separating these storms out in separate pieces of energy and not as all one unit makes it very very difficult it looks like we're going to stay cooler than normal for sure the question is how cold will we get and that really boils down to the number of snow events and of course the amount of accumulation that we see on the ground but overall it looks like we're going to be primarily stuck with well below normal temperatures on several of these days with us our hope that as each system passes and we get a brief respite from them and we get a little bit of warming in advance of the next system, basically moving a warm front into our region before the cold front sweeps through. But it does look as we get into the middle of next week, as the Wednesday system itself passes through, we will tap some Arctic air. It looks like it may release a little bit as we get toward next weekend, but it doesn't at this time appear to be as warm as it was yesterday. So overall, this seven-day period looks to be fairly active across the state. The best opportunities for accumulating snowfall are really confined to the eastern half of the state because it'll have a better chance of pulling some of that Gulf moisture toward the north. Much less precipitation expected in the western part of the state. Now, the biggest issue is as we get it past next weekend is are we going to continue to support this trough in the center part of the country or are we going to see that ridge to the west build back in and bring us a warming trend? This goes a long way uh, in regards to future outcasts simply because 
we are going to have the ability to finally set some frost into the ground. And how deep that frost penetrates may dictate to some extent how much we warm up as we go into the following week after next weekend. Thanks so much, Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to check in on sports. Brandon Bennett's in studio with us, and a good afternoon to you, sir. What do you got? And also to you. How's the day been? You know, it's uh, good. It's a little uh, little gray, a little snowy, but it's a Friday, so it all kind of balances out. I went into a particular restaurant here to grab some lunch, mm-hmm. and we had a little bit of spittle outside, but not much. Walk out with my to-go order about five minutes later, and holy cow. Yep. Snow everywhere. Mm-hmm. But... We're still not supposed to get a whole lot here, but we'll see. I mean, it's moving out, but uh, you know, as we, Paul and I said just a little bit ago, the the temperature that the, that you felt like when you walked out right. to your car this morning—that's the best it's going to be all day. That's that's where we're. At. That's not a good thing. Yep. Twelve different players last night scored to help the UNK women's basketball team roll past Rogers State, seventy-nine forty-seven, in Claremore, Oklahoma. The first time the Lopers have been to Claremore. And face the Hillcats. Lopers, the Loper women improved to fourteen and two on the season, three and two in the conference. While the Hillcats, an MIAA newcomer, lose a tenth straight game. Rogers began its women's basketball program back in two thousand seven. And who was their first head coach? You want to take a guess at this? In I teased it earlier. Two thousand seven. You said two thousand seven. Well, it's not kind of Yori, is it? No, the mm. current. Oh, head really? coach. Amy was there. Amy Williams' first head coaching gig <laughs> was to start. The Rogers State Hillcats women's basketball program back in 2007, of course. That was just about six or seven years after she was a graduate assistant at UNK. I'll be there. May the circle be unbroken. There you go. For the men, the Lopers closed the game on a 31-18 run to upset the Hillcats, 62-58 last night. The Lopers improved to 9-5 and on the season, 3-2 and on the year. They improved to 6-3 and in games decided by 10 points or less, while the Hillcats Handing, handing them just their fourth loss on the year. UNK head men's basketball coach Kevin Lofton recaps the win. Okay, this was supposed to work. We're 0 for 2 now. It worked earlier today. What's going on? Okay, let's let's pretend that never happened. You want to do it? We'll try it one more time? Third time's a charm. There you go. Okay. Uh, let me try this. You know, our main goal coming into this thing is, you know, we felt like we were on a tough stretch here. We were playing a lot of the teams that are up toward the top of the league, started with Missouri Southern. You know, we, we talk all the time about being mentally tough and gritty. We were that. We talk all the time about playing hard on the defensive end. We were that. And, you know, we, we talk a lot about limiting our turnovers. You know, tonight I thought we did a pretty good job. Kept it to 13. A little less would have been better did a decent job at the free throw line especially when we really needed it and i and we last thing we talk about is playing together and that means we want to play for each other not with each other and tonight on both ends of the floor i thought we played for each other and so it equaled the win and we'll take it unk men's and women's basketball teams are back home thursday evening to take on the ichabods of washburn university Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels is once again entering to become the head coach of the cleveland browns his third go-around with the team that he grew up watching as a kid he was he's 43 years old. He's originally from Canton, Ohio. Went to college there in Cleveland, or at least a suburb thereof, when he went to school at John Carroll. He's the eighth candidate to meet with Browns owner Jim Haslam, and one of those candidates was Eric Bieniemy, who, of course, played college football at 
the University of Colorado. And is currently the head, the offensive coordinator for mm, the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. For the last two years, he's been interviewing left and right, and the poor man cannot get a head coaching job. Eric Bieniemy deserves an opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. But, now, but nobody deserves to be the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Well, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> Mentioned earlier, when does 34,500 equal less than half? We're talking about bowl games for Division One FBS college football. Six bowl games saw, this year saw their lowest attendance in history. Even though many of the bowls are played in half-empty stadiums, they're not going away. And in fact, the number of bowl games, as if we needed more of them, there's actually going to be more of them next year. The number of college FBS bowl games will go from 39 this season to 42 next year even though six bowl games saw their lowest attendance in history and average announced attendance for the new year's for non new year's six bowls were 34,500 which is less than half of the aggregate stadium capacity so they're not filling them up by a factor of almost half and even though the stadiums often don't fill the games are still attractive because they bring in the television yep. revenue yep. dollars. Yep. Yep. Make it rain, brother. The Football Bowl Association plans to form a task force to look at ways to grow attendance. So, hey, if you ever wanted to attend the Poinsettia Bowl, mm. plenty of good seats still available. And with all of the weather that we have right now, I'm just going to throw this one in for you. I could read you off the leaderboard of the PGA Sony Open in Honolulu right now. We don't care. We don't really care. And I don't know the names, and probably neither do you. But the one most important thing right now in Honolulu, Hawaii... It's sunny and 77 degrees. I'm just saying. <laughs> That's it. That's good. That's good. Thank do, you, Brandon. Do what I can for you, brother. Recent sightings of drones across the state of Nebraska, as well as northern Colorado, have raised concern in local communities. Luke Balmer, the clinical manager for air care for CHI Health Good Samaritan Hospital in Kearney, wants to reiterate that interfering with aircraft is still illegal. We just want to remind people that, again, it's illegal to point a laser or a spotlight at an aircraft. In essence, that blinds our pilot and our medical crew and kind of filters out the light uh, in the night vision goggles to where you can't see anything. And so we need to be able to see, obviously, what we're doing and where we're going, and shining a spotlight at us can blind the pilot and could cause us to crash. Balmer adds that several reports of sighted drones have actually been helicopters flying at altitude working for the health center. Authorities have released the name of a worker killed in an accident at Cooperative's location in southeast Nebraska's Odo County. He was identified as 49-year-old Paul Sliger, who lived in Syracuse. First responders were sent around 3.45 p.m. Wednesday to the Frontier Cooperative site in Burr following a report about a tire exploding. The sheriff's office says Sliger had connected an air hose to inflate a large commercial tire and walked away. When he returned, a piece of the steel wheel struck him as the tire exploded. The customer was treated at the scene for his minor injuries. The Trump administration on Friday announced a new wave of sanctions on Iran following this week's missile strikes by the Islamic Republic on U.S. bases in Iraq. The new sanctions will target either senior Iranian officials involved in destabilizing activities in the Middle East, as well as Tuesday's missile strike, which came in response to the U.S. killing of a senior Iranian general in a drone strike. President Donald Trump will issue an executive order imposing sanctions on anyone involved in the Iranian textile, construction, manufacturing, or mining sectors. 
Fox Butte County's public defender was arrested Tuesday night and is facing a charge of possession of cocaine, 10 to 28 grams, with intent to distribute. 52-year-old John Wortham was taken into custody on Tuesday night following an operation involving the controlled delivery of approximately an ounce of cocaine by a cooperating individual working with the Wing Drug Task Force. Court records say following the transaction of the 2300 block of Avenue H in Scotts Bluff, Wortham was contacted directly by investigators Wing and Scotts Bluff police and arrested after the purchased narcotics were found inside his vehicle. Investigators say in a subsequent interview, Wortham said he believed he would be purchasing at least two eight balls of cocaine, admitted to receiving cocaine in the past in exchange for legal services, and using the drug himself. Initial bond was set at $150,000 with a 10% provision, and court officials indicated he bonded out Wednesday morning. Nebraska Assistant Attorney General Doug Warner has been named special prosecutor. However, court documents do not show a date for an initial appearance. Reporting on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Austin Jacobson. The song of the Townsend Solitaire could disappear in Nebraska if the Audubon Society's recent report, Survival by Degrees, 389 Bird Species on the Brink, holds true. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. The report has been turned into an interactive page, which allows visitors to check out which birds in North America are either moving out or dying out. Crystal Stoner, Executive Director of Audubon, Nebraska, explains more on the report. So this is a really robust, comprehensive look at the birds of North America. It includes over 140 million observations, and it comes from over 70 different sources of information of, of different organizations that track birds. And the idea was to look and see and make a projection about how they're going to be faring in the future, but to look really critically to say, well, in terms of our options of what we as people can do, what's it going to look like for birds if the climate warms by three degrees or only one and a half degrees, or if we're able to hold it even less than that? And that way we can see, um, you know, in a really tangible way about what's happening in our environments around us. Stoner says in the United States there are some birds which could become extinct in the next 50 years with climate change. We're always the most worried about species that are already listed as threatened and endangered overall. You know, so example for the least tern or the piping plover, you know, those are birds that are really low in numbers anyway. Um, another example is the whooping crane. You know, that's a bird that there's just not that many of them in the wild, and so they're pretty susceptible. So we're always worried about those species where there's just such low numbers already. While some birds could be lost to extinction, Stoner says in Nebraska, the majority of the bird loss will be due to migratory changes. She says as the temperatures warm, birds such as the black-billed magpie or Canada goose could bypass us. So for many of our species, we're going to see range shifts. So, you know, if, if they like to have a certain temperature, and so that temperature will be more closely associated maybe now with South Dakota or with Wyoming. And so there are species that are still going to be thriving. They're just not going to be in Nebraska anymore because we just don't have the best climate for, for their preferred habitat anymore. While some birds may leave our area, others may find Nebraska a more suitable place, such as the sandhill cranes. So in terms of this, um, this climate tool, it's suggesting that sandhill cranes are going to do pretty well. Mostly we see them in Nebraska on migration. Um, so they're usually not here throughout the year. They're usually just here 
when they're flying through, but they, you know, they're here for a good month at a time. And it looks like they're going to do just fine. It looks like we might even start to see them over winter here. So maybe they wouldn't migrate as far south for the winter. They would maybe actually be staying in Nebraska for the winter. Of course, the report doesn't take into account other variables the birds find necessary in their migratory travels or need to stay. With the Platte River and the high dependence that the Sandhill Cranes have on the Platte River system, that we're expected to see a decline in the snowpack on the Rocky Mountains and therefore really change the dynamics of the Platte River. So we're certainly concerned that stopover sites, the wet meadows, the Platte River flowing in March might be drastically altered and that would affect the sandhill cranes. Across North America, there are 389 birds threatened by extinction. Stover says the possible extinctions aren't exactly related to climate, but what the changing climate will create. But if we zoom in and just look at Nebraska, the two, the two things that are really going to change are um, an, an increased fire risk, which certainly we've seen in the Pine Ridge area. Uh, that's certainly a concern as wildfires and how that changes the environment. And that coupled with spring droughts. And certainly, you know, if you look over the last 15 years, we've been wet here recently for sure. But, you know, in the not too distant past, in the early 2000s, we had some pretty serious droughts. And we know that's likely to happen again. So if we see those increasing, that's where we're going to see these changes for birds here in Nebraska. Stoner says making small changes and holding the temperature to increasing by only one and a half degrees can make a huge difference. She gives an example with the mountain plover is a bird that's found in very, very short grasslands, um, and it's even found on fallow fields out in the panhandle. And if we do nothing, then 76% of its range would essentially be lost. But if we're able to prevent the amount of carbon that's released into the atmosphere so that the, the globe only warms by one and a half degrees Celsius, then only 37% of their range is going to be lost. So that's a pretty substantial difference. Stoner says there are all kinds of ways to assess our feathered friends. The other thing I'd recommend is to look for uh, native plants that you can plant in and around your home um, or in and around your acreage, or if you manage large landscapes, what you can do to make your habitats more resilient, have a greater diversity of plants that just increase the resiliency for those those uh, shifts that we're going to see in climate, and it can help the the birds and the many other species that rely on those habitats have a much better chance. To learn more on the birds in your backyard, visit audubon.org forward slash climate forward slash survival by degrees. With the Rural Radio Network, I'm Chabella Guzman. It is time for our business report here on Midday. Here's Dave Schroeder. Hey, Scott. Stocks uh, wobbled in midday trading on Wall Street after losing their momentum from the previous day's record-setting rally as investors digested a weak jobs report. The major stock indices, which had been edging higher, turned mixed. Most of the major indices were still above the record highs set on Thursday when investors were encouraged by a cooling in the Iran-U.S. conflict and because of the Phase 1 trade deal in China that's expected to be signed next week. The government reported that U.S. employers added 145,000 jobs in December. That's short of economists' forecasts. A solid jobs market has been a key force behind recent economic growth. And, Scott, that's a check of business report. Thank you, Dave.
The opiate crisis is the topic of the next Rural Radio Forum, sponsored by Ag West Commodities. Join us Tuesday, February 4th from 3 to 4 Central, 2 to 3 Mountain Time on 880-KRVN. We'll talk with Nebraska Attorney General Doug Peterson, Professor Tina Chasek, clinician Patrick Hall, and others to learn more about the history of this epidemic, why they're so addictive, what communities and states are doing to respond to this issue, and more. The opiate crisis, sponsored by Ag West Commodities, on the next Rural Radio Forum. We continue on as we feature women involved in agriculture throughout the month of January. I'm Shaley Peters, joining you now on the Rural Radio Network. We get to visit today with Angela Maneri Henning, and she is a producer near McCook, Nebraska. And Angela, it sounds like you've been involved in agriculture uh, for a long time, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. We'll get your background here in just a little bit, but what are you involved in looks like maybe farming and the livestock side of things uh present day well currently i am a cow calf producer we also um corn and wheat and hay uh, i basically manage our cattle herd right now uh we have 350 cow calf and I guess if you get this heard in the background, I also have a 16-month-old who likes to help me. Let's talk about that background. You mentioned ahead of time you were basically born into it. So you've been involved in agriculture from basically the beginning. Well, uh, my parents have been farmers all their lives, and they expected us as kids to do something. And so we got to help irrigate all the time because we had, before we had center pivots, we had lots of pipes to lay out. And Dad always said he had a full pipeline crew when he had all four of us kids. Absolutely. And as we continue to highlight women throughout the month of January, uh, why do you think it is important that women are and remain involved in this industry? Well, I think it's important for kids to see that women can do anything and that you have to be a role model for the younger generation and you know, typically farming was always a man's only job, and you know they only say man men can do it. Well, I think as a woman, you got to be able to do everything. You got to be able to clean the house, and you got to be able to run the combine. You got to be able to pull a calf. You've talked about your involvement with 4-H, and I know that is near and dear to your heart. You do have involvement with that, and just in your community as well. I am currently a 4-H leader. Um, I guess I have never not been in 4-H or never been a 4-H. You know, my brother was nine years older than me, and he was in 4-H, so I was born into it, and I never quit. I uh, Right after I got out of being in 4-H at 18, I went right into being a leader and helping my neighbor boys show cattle, and I just keep acquiring kids, and we keep <laughs> just plugging away. So I've learned that sometimes you can't expect as much out of town kids as you do a farm kid because they just uh, they don't have the training like us farm kids do, but <laughs> they want to try and they want to learn, and that's the only way kids are going to learn is to have the opportunities. So I provide opportunities. And finally, I want to ask you, Angela, what's your favorite part of being involved in the industry? I think anybody that is knows it's not an everyday uh, love, but something that maybe gets you up in the morning and keeps you going. I think some days, I, last year, 2019, was very depressing for a lot of cattle producers, especially when we had all that cold. 
but when you had to, you save that one calf and you have you go back this year when you weaned them and you see how good they do and that you did save one it always makes you feel a lot better i think my favorite part is just going out when the grass is actually green and we're not in the drought and checking my cows and just being proud of what i have accomplished over the years awesome thank you so much for joining us today angela maneri henny she is our guest as we continue on with our women in agriculture series i'm shaley peters and you're listening to the rural radio network Clay Fatten on the Rural Radio Network, joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, a little bit of an underwhelming report coming out from USDA, but broadly we close higher. Yeah, I mean, I have to like the action after the number came out. Went all the way down with 376 on the uh, on the March contract for corn and, you know, weekly lows for beans and then bounced right back up and closed. Not on the highs, but right in the middle of them. I think that's a good sign, especially considering the wheat was up near its highs as well. So, all in all, I think the focus now will go on um, China. And I think the takeaway I have from the, the corn side of things is just how great feed and residual is is, uh, is moving corn right now. And I think that's a, a good sign for domestic demand in this country. You just mentioned this earlier, before, prior to the report in our day's talk, about uh, depending on where prices went, could encourage or discourage corn acres. What's your thoughts after the report? Well, a couple of things. One, you know, new crops got some competition, not just from soybeans, as far as corn goes, but for cotton as well. So you go south of you guys, a lot of folks are going to plant, you know, in the north Texas panhandle, they're going to they're gonna probably plant milo, because cotton prices haven't been as, as lucrative, but closed on a weekly high this week and uh, it looks like we're taking off here with the Chinese uh, news so that's good that'll pull some acres from corn and then on the soybean side you know 970 980 with a strong basis out east that's going to pull beans as well so I don't think we're looking at quite the 95 million acres that we were looking at before but still you pencil in 92 million with the trend yield next year you're still looking at the the same issues we've been dealing with the last few years we're just not seeing the all three classes of, of demand kick in ethanol is essentially supported by the government Exports are really more reflective of the currency, I think, near term right now. And then the feed and residual is great. So feed and residual is about a third of what we what we use, and you're seeing that increase today on our report where everybody was focused on what on negative demand. It was offset by this positive story that's coming from the U.S., and that's not going away anytime soon as we're going to see continued expansion in pigs. Cattle numbers are high, and I would imagine uh, the, the poultry guys are going to be expanding as well. So the need for feed is there. I, I think the question now is, what can China bring to the equation? That That's what we'll look at next week. And I think as of right now, all systems are go for a signing. Uh, I know there's a little bit of question on whether it was going to happen on the 15th or if it was the 16th. But uh, regardless, I think by mid mid to late next week, we should have some clarity on you know, what is uh, what the intentions of the Chinese are as far as from a macro standpoint. We won't hear what they're going to buy. They're not going to announce that ever. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see what they buy, when they buy. And that will be kind of the next phase of this, this market in the next couple of months. Again, we've been talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. If you'd like to receive a copy of their newsletter this week in grain, visit their website, DanielsAgMarketing.com. There you can find all your sign-up information. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss, not suitable for all investors. And that's going to do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on KRVN.com, sponsored by Devaney Motors. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. 
When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Davini Chrysler Jeep Dodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.